I'm delighted to start the podcast with a couple of thank yous. As we all know, after the Cove game, one of their fans was attacked. Unfortunately, it was a horrible incident. He was knocked unconscious and he had to be rushed to a hospital in an ambulance. Michael's now on the mend, albeit he's got a lot of dental damage. But we'd started a GoFundMe page just to try and say sorry, and the response was incredible. 119 donors raised a total of £1,970. That'll help with Michael's dental bills, but he's hoping to be able to reclaim that through criminal injuries, and as much of the money as possible will go to a charity called Friends of Anchor in the Aberdeen area, which has really helped Michael's fiancé through rounds of cancer treatment. Having already asked for money from everyone, I was slightly tentative about trying to reclaim our £90 a year running costs. I had put a message out asking for people to donate to a separate page, but I was delighted to be contacted by STEM Recruitment Solutions, offering to cover the costs for the coming year. STEM Recruitment Solutions was formed to merge the knowledge and recruitment skills of Scotland's best-known and talented technical recruiters, covering jobs from bench to boardroom across the science, technology, engineering and maths industries. STEM Recruitment Solutions is an independent specialist consultancy working with and supporting clients on the cutting edge of their industry. STEM exists because they know firsthand that good people can transform business and the right jobs transform lives. You can find out more about them at stemrexsolutions.com and they've confirmed that if they get any business through the podcast, then they'll look to make a contribution to the football club. So please mention us when you get in touch with them. Okay, welcome back to the OTL podcast. Uh, it's playoff time. We love for the playoffs, so we're doing another one as quickly as this. I'm delighted to be joined by two intrepid travellers who made it up to Montrose. Uh, so welcome back to the podcast, Emma Quigley. How are you, Emma? I am great, thank you. A bit tired, but um, one o'clock, uh, get in from the, the game last night. But um, yeah, not the result we wanted, but not too disheartened either. With podcast panel members, David Quigley's wedding the night before, so congratulations to David. Uh, but yeah, a lot of partying on your side. Yeah, too old for it, too old for it. <laughs> and also fresh from a, a trip up to the northeast, uh, David Roxburgh. Hi, David, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm trying my best to be uh, Mr. Positive today after a disappointing night last night. I saw you rallying the troops on, on Facebook earlier, so well, let, let's just go for uh, what did you make of last night and what's your, your reactions to the game? Uh, David, we'll start with you. So, disappointed, obviously, I think a lot of people are, and I think it's because we're on this amazing unbeaten run, it's fantastic, and the one game that really seems to count the most is the first game where you know we lose that run, and in the manner in which is probably not fitting of the team, the sort of football and ability and performance levels we've seen, so it was disappointing, but I I am already trying to take the positives from it. You know, we've seen the Idri game, Idri games in years gone by where we struggle to create chances. Now, you've got to create chances to miss. And boy, did we create some chances to miss. We had some great opportunities last night. We didn't take them, but it's a better position to be in knowing that. I think the team are going to go in Saturday in the exact same frame of mind of, if we keep creating chances, we will take some. We have to. <laughs> Right. And Emma, where do you think it went wrong? Not necessarily particularly wrong. I just just think it wasn't our it wasn't our night. Um, 
I thought the first 20 minutes were strange just kind of felt like they were they were nervous maybe that maybe that's what it was you know they just seemed to be nervous and trolls obviously really came out the traps um and we just didn't handle it particularly well and then obviously the way we lost the goal just just put us on the back foot and you know I do think we had really good chances in that game but we just couldn't seem to you know be clinical when we needed to be almost almost the opposite of um when they came you know down to us it was almost the opposite um I wouldn't say it went wrong and, and a bit like David I'm trying to kind of look more on the the positive side and actually keep a bit of perspective about about it you know it's it's one nil we've, we've got a home a home tie we know that we're much much better than than perhaps last night's performance showed um I want to give a bit of credit to Montrose for that as well I thought they played excellently you know I think they, they were you know they kept a really high tempo and um, they worked they worked really really hard and it was the one tie that I didn't really want was Montrose um because I felt like they've been the most effective at really shutting our midfield down you know, in terms of the teams that we've played this season so it was a worry that if they won that battle that we might struggle um so you know one now it's not the end of the world I know Airdrie fans carry a lot of playoff emotional baggage when it comes to um PTSD. playoffs but um yeah. far from far from down and out no, I would agree with you there, by the way. I think, you know, you have to give credit where it's due. Montrose came out and were far more up for it at the beginning. I wouldn't say our team weren't up for it, but they they stuck to their task better than we did at the beginning, fired up, went for it. Good home crowd behind them as well, and they were very well organised. And you can tell from the results over the course of this season, right, that it was going to be a difficult game. My mindset is this. We finished above them in the league on merit. We have earned the right to have the home tie second. And when we were driving up last night, I did say hopefully that a wee win would be amazing, a draw would be fine, but I, I said a, a one-goal defeat would not be the end of the world. doesn't mean I wasn't disappointed when it happened, but there is absolutely all to play for back in our home patch. I think it'll be a very different game. And you guys were there. I was on the stream, like many other Airdrie fans four weeks ago, listening to Daft Loon, as he called himself. But uh, we didn't have a great view of the goal incident. So, talk, David, you, I think you said you're an ex-goalie. Talk me through what should have happened there. Why did that go so wrong? Because it's absolute calamity in the end. I, I must correct you first and say I'm not absolutely not an ex-goalie. I am... No, worst guy. Maybe at five, but I'm all feet, not hands. Um, I always thought myself as a bit of a five-a-side striker. But I think the issue is miscommunication, right? You you have a goalie coming for it who has got to go through brick walls to get there or not come for it. Yeah. And you've got a defender going for it who is just unlucky. You know, nine times out of ten, he could be volleying that out of the park up the pitch. And it's just been an absolute moment of misfortune for us and absolute fortune for Montrose, right? And funnily enough, that's the way the rest of the night seemed to go. I remember saying, we just need a break. Things just didn't break. And the word that, that came back to me over and over again, I think, is haunted is this composure. You know, seemed, seemed to be composed in so many games, difficult games, you know, scored crucial goals with composure. And that goal showed a moment of composure lacking. And then it kind of seemed to just be a domino effect of moments of lacking composure throughout the rest of the game. And Emma, you were standing close to the incident, so I couldn't tell on this game. What was? Could you tell what the communication was? Was there any? 
I, well, I didn't hear a shout at the time, um, but obviously by the time the kind of incidents happened and you're, and you're watching the goal go in, so I never heard a shout, I never heard um, from where I was what was said, and I think Davis probably summed it up. I think it was just a, a miscommunication between goalkeeper and you know, a young defender, but um, I actually want to kind of give a bit of credit to, to Patterson because he didn't let his head go down after that, you know, for a, a young player and, and a yeah, game like that and for something like that to happen. So I actually want to just give him a bit of credit for that because it might have been easy for him to let his, you know, maybe the head drop or, you know, hide a bit and he didn't. And obviously, I mean, I'm five foot one, so I've never been a professional. I'll never be a professional goalkeeper. <laughs> so, you know, what was... Um, the two players thought was happening in that scenario. You know, I'm probably not the best best person to judge. Um, that just picking up on what David was saying as well. You know, when when Andrew and I were driving home last night, um, one of the things we just didn't feel like we had our kind of normal swagger. So there, there was just a nervousness, and as David said, a kind of lack of composure, which we're not used to seeing. So I don't know if that was just the just the nerves. Um, it was it was strange. I don't really know because I don't feel that we've seen that from them this season. Those that kind of nerviness. I would say nerves is right because it's very easy to say, "Oh, you've been the playoffs before, right?" But this collective group of players have not. So the the nerves are there, and you're away, and it will be in their heads of right. We need to make sure we're still in this tie. And you could just tell there was almost that. Com- I don't even know if composure is maybe unfair, right? Because they are professionals; they know how to be composed. But it's almost like poor decision-making at times. There was times when a, a ball could have been cut back and subbed the shot. An absolutely beautiful bit of play that led to Easton trying to pass it in when maybe actually he should have put his laces through it. There was just these moments where you would look back, and I'm, I'm sure the team do as well, and think if only we'd done this, if only we'd done that. Well, that's the what team... I found a bit strange, because I felt like maybe in other games they would just have taken those shots. Yeah. Yet they just seemed reluctant to maybe to do so. <laughs> Agreed, but do you know one thing? I just want to pick up on the credit thing. So I agree with you about Brody, right? And I, but I actually think credit needs to go to the fans as well because in seasons gone by, the fans would have got on his back, and you get that if you're old enough to play, you're old enough to take criticism, kind of crap that we've heard. But actually, the fans stayed with the team. The positivity was there, right? I had my moments of shouting abuse due to daft things that happened, and I had a rant, but literally five seconds later, I would try and be positive again. I think the whole attitude amongst the fans, due to having watched some brilliant football and performances this season, there's, there's a lot of credit that goes to the team, I think, to the fans, sorry, for continuing to back the team all night last night. Yeah, there was a great um, travel and support that went up in the numbers, and they did support them, you know, start to finish. So I don't yeah. think, I don't think everyone's too, anyone's, too despondent, I think. Um, as I say, people are taking some of the positives and know that that was an unusual night in terms of how we normally perform. And you could actually see the players as well saying the same thing. You know, just calm down. You know, just calm it down. Just you know, and you could see them. You know, just after I think it was that that goal went in, just trying to settle everything down. It's normally the opposite. We normally have the, the really strong twenty minutes. So it's kind of the opposite from what we're used to seeing because we normally start very well. And that's it. Whereas, funnily enough, we, I mean, when Trost wanted the first half to end way more than we did, they came out the trap flying, but we then started controlling the game. And it's funny because you would say we probably had the best chances over the 90 minutes. But at the same time, I don't think we tested the keeper. And that is rare. And and that's, that's a positive in a way, right? Because, yeah, it sounds negative, but it's a positive because... You, you, we won't see two games. You would like to think we will not see two games like that. 
And the players owe us nothing, right? But they owe it to themselves, I think, to to, to change that performance level, to make up for that. And, I, and that's why I think this is where the finishing second in the league could be an advantage, right? If we'd lost 1-0 in our home patch and then had to travel up there, that is a nightmare journey. But to be on the home ground, they're going to come down. They've bust a gut, right? That could impact them in terms of their energy levels on Saturday. They've got to come to us. We're going to have the home crowd on our own pitch. You've got to think that that advantage can give us the edge to hopefully very quickly negate that 1-0 deficit. Yep, and obviously the club have dropped the prices for Saturday as well. So if we could get a really good crowd in there um, to give them the support that they undeniably, you know, deserve for what they've done this season and the entertainment and you know what they've given the fans in terms of um, you know recent seasons. Um, so I'm hoping as many Airdrie fans as possible will get along on on Saturday and kind of take advantage of that because it was great. I know the Cove game didn't go. It's, you know, the way we wanted it to, but to have see so many people back in the stands and families and, and kids along for the day, I may try and round up my nephews for it, you know, and, and bring them along. Um, yeah, I, 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 the I, troops. yeah, I've got no fear about Saturday in, in that sense. Yeah, I agree. Probably... By the, way, the club, of this, I agree with you, the club needs huge kudos to them because it's an expensive time, especially if we do get through on Saturday. Then, and I really hope we do, but then you're looking at four games in two weeks on top of, you know, oh, well, everything else that's going up cost 11, so it's a brilliant move for the club. Yeah, and the, the Cove game, the impact it had on the, the attendance was was brilliant. Uh, I mean, I know it was an international weekend, so people were free, but it's the same this weekend, so Rangers aren't playing Celtic in an early kick-off on Saturday, so there should be, a, and the lower leagues are all off, so I would think you will get quite a lot of neutrals along, you make a lot of Old firm fans have, have got a soft spot for for Airdrie coming along too. So yeah, let's hope that the crowd's up and, and that helps the players as well. Uh, what about the referee? I don't. I'm not trying to pin the result on the referee, but for me, watching it through the stream, I was just a bit surprised that like McDonald got absolutely cemented <laughs> earlier on by a tackle, and there was a few like, just really cynical fouls from Montrose in the first half that he let go or two or three that I thought that's a stick on booking and he didn't make them the booking that he did make was for Frizzle which was like a silly petulant uh, and Emma you mentioned on the, the WhatsApp earlier I think that probably did impact on how he was able to play for the rest of the game but I did just think it probably should have been a bit quicker getting the cards out and if some of their guys are walking that tightrope of being on a yellow card it might have might have helped us with that kind of struggling with the midfield uh, at points in the game but am I uh, am I just greeting about what are, are, are just good tackles no I agree right? I, I had a few rants at the ref I would say overall right we can't blame the ref we, we shot ourselves in the foot at times we, we we had more than enough opportunities to do that but at the same time I agree I was shouting at points at the ref you need to get in control of this because every time you let a player walk away without even speaking to them, he's given them another opportunity to do it again. And they did put a few hefty boots in at times. Um, the thing I'm annoyed the most about with the ref, though, is that I think there was a pretty close to Stonewall penalty appeal in the second half. Easton gets in the box. Um, over on the right, uh, sorry, left-hand side, skips got by the guy and he's fouled, right? Now, you credit the player for trying to stay on his feet and play on. But ironically, the game almost needs them to go down to get a penalty. And Barry and I were talking about that, my brother-in-law that I travelled up with, and we said, if 
he goes down and gets a penalty. What is different from him staying on his feet? There is contact here after the ball's away. He's been kicked. Whether he stays up or goes down is irrelevant. That's a penalty. And the ref let it go. You, and you can't call it back. You, you don't play advantage in the box. A penalty is a penalty. Your team wants a penalty. You shouldn't expect a player to go down to win it. So that really disappointed me more than anything about the whole night from a referee perspective. Yeah. I mean, the camera angle's not good for it, but you can see at least that it's classic Easton. I mean, he skins the boy once and then goes across him again. Definitely doesn't win the ball. So if there's any contact, you're right, I would see it as a penalty. Um, and yeah, you could see it's soft or whatever. But anywhere else in the, the, the pitch, you would give that as a foul instantly. So Exactly. Uh, and it shouldn't be different in the box. There are no rules saying you know, be a bit harsher on what you give as a foul if you're in the box or out the box. But you're right. If that was out of the box, he gives a free kick. The moment it's in the box, it's almost as if it's in the ref's head, oh, this is a game-defined moment. Well, yeah, it is. And you've still defined the game by not giving it as much as you would have by giving it. Yeah, I agree. And what did you think of the ref? I'm not really somebody that gets overly wound up by referees, to be honest, you know, after the game. Um, I don't think what divides the, the teams after yesterday was, was down to the referee, you know, there was a couple of challenges. I think a bit like you, I felt like, well, if, you know, Adam was booked then consistency-wise, then, you know, they should have been a booking and David's maybe got a point around, you know, the penalty. It was not the best angle. I had a very quick look at it before I, I came on. So you could argue that there could have been a, a penalty there. But I think um, overall, I don't know if too many complaints um, about it. Although I did, we did laugh because when we, we sub. Um, Gabby last night and he walked off behind the goals I don't know if you saw this David when the Montrose player was told to take the same route and just point blank ignored him and yeah I saw that <laughs> and that's the thing. I thought that's... that you know book him for that but you exactly know. and that's the whole point though that I think to your original point Colin the ref didn't stamp his authority right he tells the player to go off the quickest route and the player doesn't and walks off and the ref does nothing and He'll allowed certain forms of action. I agree with Emma. For me, it doesn't change the game overly, right? The, the penalty shout, potentially. But I think the responsibility for not having lost that game sits with the team more than it does with the ref, absolutely. No, I, I agree. I, I just thought the first half, the two, three, I thought, well, it really just, just clear. That's a yellow card. That's late or it's cynical. Uh, and he didn't give them. And as you say, that kind of, I always think that just starts to build frustration. And I was worried that we were going to end up with like a second booking for Frizzle or something, but it didn't happen. It's only 1 0. Okay. The, 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 I mean, as you say, we did create some brilliant chances. Gallagher's header in the first half. Um, and probably Sean Dillon's clearance, which wasn't in our highlights package, but. He dived in, not really, a bit Simon Ferry-ish, not really in control, but it did go over the bar, so they got away with that one. Uh, but then, as you see, decision-making, like both <laughs> both Gallagher and Gabby had me turning the air a bit blue with just shooting from silly angles, both of them. Um, and a bit like you said, I thought at points, it was just chances to shoot, and we, we wanted to make tiny passes to Easton in the box when there was loads of people around. I think Brodie Patterson second half had one where I thought, just get that out of your feet and, and lash it and see. Uh, because we never, we never uh, challenged the, the seagull as the, the goalie's nickname apparently. He'd never had a save to make. Um, so I was, I did think 
um, for we did create good chances and that one first half which did get pulled back to Gabby a brilliant ball across from Frizzle headed back in by Smith and he just missed it I'm hoping that we don't live to live to regret those but on the basis of us being a bit short shy last night Emma would you make any changes to the, the squad on Saturday or sorry the starting 11 not the squad I don't think we need to hit the panic button Listen, I'm kind of taking the kind of you know just a bad night at the office for us but I don't think that we need to hit the panic button too much you know these players have been playing out their skin for 20 games you know this is to me more of a you know not the norm so just kind of we don't need to make drastic changes you know I'm pretty happy with the team that went out on you know last night was pretty much I think what all of us would have would have gone for um I guess the only thing is, is what you could do around, as I say, the midfield, because I feel like Montrose are excellent at just shutting down that creativity we had. So is there a way we could maybe bring, as I think the only change I would have said is maybe bring Scott McGillan in some way, you know, because he is quite quick and he's quite tricky with the ball at his feet as well, just to give them something else to think about in there. But overall, I don't think I would, you know, do anything too drastic. Yeah, no, I think... Well, like, it doesn't need it. There's a, there's, I think there's a, there's a danger of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, to use the old phrase, just because, as you say, it's a bit of a statistical anomaly. That team has gone 20 unbeaten. Uh, that same team, with the exception of, I think, Watson instead of McDonald, but Watson's been injured, is one that played so well against Cove at home. Um, so do you make changes? But David, it sounds like there were murmurings from you that you might... Uh, yeah. You might so, <clears throat> I had a thought about it, and I, I was fine with the lineup I was last night. For me, I understood why we went with McCabe at the back. His composure reads the game brilliantly, right? And it allows Agnew to be that defensive midfielder. And Agnew is, I would say, more defensive in that role than, for example, McCabe. I did think at times the franticness of the game really tested Agnew, though, right? But I, thought, I think he stood up well. I think he had a decent enough game. Where we've struggled at the beginning in the first 20 minutes is long diagonal balls, right? And that came down to two issues. One, a bit of height. But two, we allowed their defenders to knock the ball about without pressing them. And then allowed them to pick out the pass. And they hit diagonal ball after diagonal ball after diagonal ball. And they were winning them and getting on the end of them and causing us trouble. So for me... I think I would potentially swap Gabby McGill out for either a Jordan Allen or Scott McGill with a view of being at home, we need to be in the front foot more, right? We sat in, we were a bit defensive at the beginning, we need to be in the front foot and go for it. So I think press the defenders quicker. They're slow, they're not fast. We were outrunning them at times. They're, they're not a quick defence, so that extra bit of pace in there could help and that extra bit of urgency. Secondly, I would potentially, although it might sound extreme, like care to come in at the back for a bit of height, right? Because they did have a physical presence that we lacked at times and get McCabe into defensive midfield because I think McCabe has the ability to drive the game forward more. He he picks out brilliant passes from the back, but Care can still pick out a pass. I think McCabe is a bit more fluent in turning defending into attacking than Agnew. Agnew's quite sideways and very kind of cautious with his passing. I think McCabe's a bit more risky and I think we maybe need that. And the only other change, again, and these are not saying all of these, these are just ones of potential contention, would be 
Watson back in. I think McDonald's good going forward. I don't think he's as strong as um, Watson at the back. And Watson can equally get forward, put across in. But I would say Watson's probably better there. So that helps again with that height because they were chucking long high balls in us and we weren't dealing with them well. And ultimately that goal probably came from a similar scenario of that ease of defence that they had to then pick out long balls and put us under pressure. So if we make all three of these changes, amazing. If we don't, equally fine. But I, I, I am the surprise if it's the exact same starting eleven. Emma, what do you reckon? Yeah, I can see merit in it. I guess, um, you know, in terms of bringing, I can see why you want to bring them. You know, for the, just to to show up the height in the back because Montrose are they are a big big team and as David said they definitely targeted that and tried to take advantage of that um, last night I would just be nervous about unsettling that back four just on the basis of one off night and I know I keep going back to just on one off night um, that would be my only you know because these are changes you can make during the game and I guess it also depends on what Montrose are going to do on Saturday, what do we think they'll do? Are they going to do exactly what they tried to do to us last night and target us in the same way? Or are they going to try and sit in a little bit and, you know... I think know? they'll come out fast again. I think they will because they know we can score goals, right? There's no way they can come and hang on to a 1-0. You know, hanging on for 45 minutes, fine. Hanging on for another 90, that's a tough gig. So I think the... Their strength is they're very organised. They play good diagonal balls. They've got good height. They try and get crosses in. I mean, I read some of the Montrose fans' comments saying that they were frustrated with how many balls were put in the box that nobody getting the end of. So clearly that's a tactic they're deploying, right? So I think we need to stop that. And I don't just think it's about the fullbacks winning more or the centre-half winning more. I think it's equally the responsibility of the forwards to close it down. And the frustrating thing is we almost started copying them, right? We played long balls quite a lot last night. And that's frustrating. Our, our probably best move of the game for me was an on-the-deck passing move that led to the one that Easton played by the post. And it was a superb move. And the ball never left the deck. That's the football that we are famous for this season. And we probably shied away from doing that as much as I'd like. We resorted to a lot of long balls. And it's not our game. And to be honest as well, a lot of those balls didn't clear the first defender or were just keepers, oh, exactly. keepers' balls. So, we'd, yeah, David, you're probably worried that we got maybe sucked into that a little bit. And we, we, I mean, again, I keep saying credit to Montrose because it was very difficult for us to play that game that we normally play, which is why I was kind of worried about, as I say, had that worry about playing them because they've always been very good at doing that. Yeah, definitely. And this is why I think McCabe into midfield, right? I mean, I know you're saying the team that was out last night was for the majority similar, right? But there has definitely been games within the long run of wins that had care in defence and McCabe in defensive midfielder. And I just personally think that when he's in there, the ball stays in the deck that little bit more. You know, you don't have Easton dropping back to pick the ball up to turn an attack. You've got McCabe getting it, which allows Easton to be that bit further forward. Scott McGill similarly, very clever ball player, very good at ghosting by players as well. And I love Gabby McGill, by the way, right? Real fan of him, but he's still coming back from an injury. You could tell from a fitness point, he's not lasted a 90-minute game necessarily since he's been back. And he's maybe just lacking that wee bit of sharpness. And 
we cannot afford, I think, to have that. And and a game that is important to Saturday. He could be the sort of guy that could come off the bench in twenty minutes and just run himself into the ground, same as Jordan Allen. If we are at that stage on Saturday, right? No disrespect to Afalobi, I don't see him as the sort of guy that's ever going to come off a bench and run himself in the ground. But on Saturday, if we are in a position where we need a goal, I would have Jordan Allen and Gabby as impact sub off the bench. I think that would be two good options and, and potentially start with Scott McGill. But we'll see. It might well be that Jordan Allen gets the nod, which would be equally as good as having McGill. Both McGill's on the bench, but um, it'll be interesting. I think either way... They're, they're I, I all think good problems to have. They're good problems to have and good options to have. Yeah, I think around the time of the Cove game, Gabby was flying. I think that's maybe his best performance got the early goal, but otherwise he was just everywhere that day. I agree with you, David. I think he does look like he's not quite at that level of sharpness. I I think that's the only change I would make. Um, And I'm a big, big fan of Josh Kerr, but I just feel... A bit like Emma, the, the, most of that consistent run has been with McCabe at the back and we're only 1-0 down. I think the key here is probably not to panic. Uh, and I think when we start going back to front or when we end up with four strikers on the pitch, we kind of fall to bits. I think we just need to trust what's worked for us so well this season. I would probably, Miguel from Miguel, I do like as a change. Uh, and then you can always, that's probably more of a four-four-two. You can change up to make it more attacking later on in the game if we still need the goal. But um, I was I was actually very confident and calm ahead last night until about two minutes into the game. I could just see we hadn't made a good start and then the goal came. So I think let's, don't panic. It was strange be being there message. because obviously you're used to seeing the players and you're used to seeing their, their body language. And as I kind of sat with Andrew at the game, I said they just look really unsettled in a way that I'm not used to seeing yeah. um, and the credit goes back to Montrosto, he caused that I mean that's absolutely. the thing, that, that would probably be the most I've seen a team go for our throat this season they, they, and you know they, they did it well and that was their game plan and they executed it and that's why I think they will start they'd be daft not to start the same right? you, you look at what you did well in the last game and you try and do it again and I think they will do that that's why we need to look and think how do we nullify that how do we stop those long diagonal balls if they do come in how do we win more of them and then how do we take the game to them Um, so that's my reason why I think there might be some changes because we need to be more in the front foot and as I say I really like Agnew I do but does he have as much energy in that role as McCabe and I get what you're saying right we are you know, there's having care in at the back. Care can play some good balls, but I still think he occasionally has a wee wobbly moment in him. But you've got to remember that McCabe joined this team to be in midfield. He's done amazing at the back, but he can do equally amazing in midfield. And maybe we need that risk or that wee gamble. I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit headless chicken calling to your point. No, no, it's not. I think it's interesting because, again, we've got this chat in the WhatsApp. Uh, I was with Alan Portis. I actually thought, Agnew played well last night. I know he's maybe a bit sideways and stuff at points, but I thought he was everywhere. Um, but but I mean, the other point is he's coming off an injury too. So he only played, what, 20 minutes against Peterhead and then last night. So I'm not sure how his body will react. So there's that to assess as well. Sure, actually. And, but as Emma said, these are good issues to have. So I'm not averse to putting Josh in there. And maybe, is McCabe more unlikely to unlock something with his range of passing than Agnew is 
Possibly, but they're both they're both really talented uh, and both good strikers of the ball. So I think they can both do a, a similar role. I was, I was really hoping that uh, Agnew was going to get his goal with that one. That he had, a, he didn't quite catch it first half. Uh, it kind of opened up nicely for him. But no, I, 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 I'll not be too upset. Regardless, if it's the same eleven, I wouldn't be that upset. If he makes any of these kind of changes, uh, I, again, I'd. I'd you'd have my backing and uh, I, I think the message is stay calm uh, I'd, I'd like the team not to pack because even if we don't get an early goal they will get nervy as long as the gap's at one so yeah I'm looking forward to Saturday I'm nervous because not ideal going in one goal down um, but I'm just hoping for a, a big crowd and if we can turn it around we just be going into the next playoff game on the, on the crest of a wave uh, and just, interestingly just coming out we were we spoke very briefly to a Montrose fan and then their kind of viewpoint was, you know, they weren't happy just having the one. They didn't feel that's anywhere near enough, given they knew that we were off our game a little bit. You know, and for them to only have one, you know, worries them coming down to us. So there's nerves, yeah, nerves all over the place. It's on both sides. Yeah. And I say one nil in the grand scheme of things is, you know, we can overcome that, definitely. Right. Any other thoughts ahead of Saturday? Just want as many people as possible to go. I want anyone that listens to this to get their relatives, their neighbours, their neighbours, Doug's gran, whatever, I don't care, get as many folk along, make a wee bit of noise and cheer them on. You know, the, the club have been very vocal in saying that the fans make a difference and that we've played a huge part at times. And you do, you know, it sounds really cheesy, but it absolutely makes a difference. And, and for the players' perspective, they're going to be up for this. They, they won't barely need a team talk, I think. They will be very, very motivated to be the guys that go Airdrie into the playoff final and then hopefully beyond that. Now, it's one step at a time, but it's 90 minutes, right, to, to win a game by 1-0 or more. And if you say it like that, you would bank on Airdrie almost every time, wouldn't you? Yeah, I just think it could be a great event on Saturday because uh, I did think that the Cove game was, uh, was kind of one of these makes you think, could we, could we get just win some of these people back round because that was a good performance in a big game, albeit with a horrible finish. Uh, Emma, any any rousing talk for the the players before we we finish up? Anything you want to message you want to get to them ahead of Saturday? Not like dear, I don't think they'll need it. I think um, you know, I think when you heard the Ian's interview and you know Scott's interview, they're disappointed, and I think they'll be absolutely you know, up for it on Saturday. I don't think this is, can't think of really many moments that really kind of let us down this season. I don't expect Saturday to be any different. Just, you know, again, get as many fans along as possible. You know, they've deserved the backing. They've more than earned the backing. Just, you know, wish them luck. And, you know, we'll all be behind them. I'm sure we'll all be behind them and making a bit of noise. Excellent. Cool, guys. Right, see you there. Thank you very much for that. And we'll see you there on Saturday. Hey. Yeah.